That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved it. Oh, it was great. Let's go down in life, man. It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host. That's TDD NFL on the Twitter box. And of course, I'm joined by my brother at Daryl J. O'Brien. Uh, what's going on, dude? You happy, sad? What's going on in your life, brother? What's Daryl? How are you? Well, I'm, I'm currently um, jet lagged, jet lagged, and in quarantine. Hmm. So that's that's my life at the minute. Being back in the Caribbean. Yeah, which you're getting zero sympathy from the <laughs> listeners. You don't say, oh, I'm here stuck in the Caribbean and, you know, it's too yeah, too warm. It's, and, uh, it's 30 degrees out and very hot. Turtles keep very sunny. nipping me knickers. Not that, I can, not, that I, not that I can get out. Not that I can get out of the house. I'm currently locked in due to COVID. But come here. Uh, not that I have it. Not no, that I have it. No. Just because I've been traveling. And you have a GPS tracker on you. Not for nefarious reasons. Yeah. Just because they don't want you no. to go anywhere. Got my perp bracelet on. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. What a world. What a world we live in. But uh, I mean, I'm very happy as a sports, as a Packers fan, let alone a sports fan. Uh, but before sports we fan. get to that, cool. can we have a bit of a slow clap for the Chicago Bears <laughs> who totaled the grand total of one yard passing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I think, just whatever you do, Bears, just keep being you. Uh, one of our long time and very good um, and loyal listeners, Jazz, sent me in. A list of the top five, top 45 quarterbacks yeah. for the Bears since 1985. I mean, it, who goes to the trouble of putting that list together? It's like yeah. comparing bell movements. A Packer fan, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. It can't be a it's Bears like fan. It's like comparing bell movements. Well, that all looks crap. Yeah, therapy. Um, yeah, it's rough, isn't it? You look, it's when you look at things like that, you look at our coaches and you look at our QBs and all that. Like, we, of course, we've been blessed and you get... You know, people saying online all the time, you don't know how lucky you are. I think we all know how lucky we are. Like, everyone oh, loves a crib and a moan, but you know. uh, yeah, we don't know how lucky we, we are. And uh, which makes really this season do. kind of a bit more bittersweet, right? Because yeah. Rodgers, we knew he'd ball out, which he has. Devontae Adams, he's superhuman. We knew he would be, of course. Um, So he got asked on the sideline, Daryl, Devontae did, you know, would you stay playing with Aaron or would you like to stay with the Packers? Mm. You know, what, what would you want to do? And he said, well, ideally, you know, both. Where I'd, I'd love to be playing with him again wherever he goes kind of thing. And they're, they're, they're too honest with it now, Daryl. I'm not ready for it. It's like when Donald Trump used to no, go like, you, you don't know the things I've seen. And you're like, oh, keep that to yourself, Jesus. Yeah. You know, so it's that kind of thing of like, just don't let me peek the panties. Don't let me look behind the curtain here and, and say all this stuff to me. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. No. I don't want to know. I mean, because I have a feeling poor old Devante is going to go. I mean, he's going to mm. go to the guy that knows how to throw him a ball. But that performance was nail-biting. What can you get done in 37 seconds? Don't answer that. Uh, don't answer hold that. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, don't ask John. Uh, ask it's just my if... wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's your wife. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it, the game, do you know what kind of, um, it's a, it's incredible, right? And I think, I say this all the time, I, I more so start banging on about this type of lark when it gets close to playoffs. Um, but I think, as fans, we need to be better at just enjoying what we have right now. You know, and not yeah. to get too, like, pious and, like, soapbox, who gives a crap, you know? But I'm just saying, it's like, it just seems like for every win we have, there's some expert and, like, or, hold on, let me phrase this, some fan in, like, massive quotations who's willing to pick apart certain plays or certain players or certain whatever and just say how shit it is, you know? And I'd like for a second just to be able to go, like, look at the 
the performance, right? We went up basically 17 zip and then they, they pulled one back and I heard people saying like, oh, how, it was so obvious what he was going to do. And you're like, oh, it is. But sometimes you just can't stop yeah. the obvious things. They done. They were running bunch bunches on the, the right side. So you kind of knew what he was going to do. But if you didn't honour the bunch, well, then you'd expect that he'd just pick it off the open guy. Now, is that too much to ask, you know, from, from a quarterback who is brand new to the game, Trey Lance? Like, maybe. But at the same time, like, you're going to get spliced up either way. The comm said it right, Daryl, is that, you know, San Francisco's hard enough to deal with as they are, uh, even with a depleted yeah. running back core, because look at their coach. That's Air offense is a sort of a a bastardization, if you will, of, um, look it up, it's the part of the podcast actually, is um, kind of a sort of a copy and hybrid of what Shanahan runs, and there's no secret of all of that. So like, you know, and we've seen Devontae being out. Um, and what Matt LaFleur is able to cook up with the other receivers and stuff like that. There's there's ways and means in these offenses and the Niners are back on top again. I mean, they came into this game 2-0, and you know, flying mm-hmm. high and everybody, including probably us, thought that if the Packers weren't going to get trounced, they definitely were up against it and Niners were favourites for sure um, because they were full strength and, you know, there's so much nuances to the game. But we have to be able to look at this and go, do you know what? You will give up some plays. This is football. The other guys get paid too. Yeah. They're incredibly good. Like Kyle Juszczyk, I mean, that kind of guy. That's oh. the point. They're so good. Yeah. That's what annoys me about this. Like, look at the spread. We won by two points. That was about right. Yeah. It could have gone two the other way though. You know, so it's not that, th- th- these are two very, as you say, one is deliberately cribbing the other one. That was, that's no secret. No one's ever made a secret that we wanted to copy what Shanahan was doing. What we managed to do though, is we managed to play against ourselves basically. We did, we did it a lot we were a lot more canny about it if you and i don't understand why we can't do this all the time right yeah if you get that ball out fast and if you look at rogers when he was throwing that ball he threw everything in the nest in 2.5 seconds most of the time there's very few times when he held onto the ball you, you're obviously going to neutralize the pass rush really really well if you can do that and get that ball in deep i just don't know why i loved i loved the way we played i thought it was fantastic the tactics for once were bang on hmm. we managed then to you know protect our rookies as much as possible who I thought played really well. A lot of the stuff I've been reading about was, oh yeah, you know, they, they made a few mistakes. They managed, you know, to get the job done. Uh, that's not that's not very fair based on what we saw. We look at Josh Nyman, what he had to do with Nick Bosa. Oh yeah. You don't stop that guy easy. No. That guy would terrorise, terrorise the other side at all times. I thought Nyman did a great job. In fact, hats off to all of the rookies who didn't look like some of them were only playing their second and third game for the Packers here. They look pretty good, but we also managed to protect them as much as we possibly could so that they didn't have a nightmare and they could actually were free to do things. Big shout out to Kenny Clark as well. He wasn't the only man standing there doing every job. Mm. He was able to focus on doing what he does best, making a complete nuisance of himself. But let's face it, who's the man man of the hour, the guy that we love? The old Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby. I mean, let's face it. What a man. What a man, yeah. I, there was word on that there was a bit of a delay with him getting on the plane, actually, because the wheelbarrow that he carries his balls around in couldn't fit in the, <laughs> in the cabin. I don't know, it's just a room. Sorry, sorry, you're, you're going to have to put that You're going to put that downstairs. You're going to have to check sorry, that, sorry. That, is, but my, that doesn't my fit balls are in it. <laughs> okay, they're attached, man. Uh, yeah, just incredible. Look, there's a, there's a lot of um, shoots. Now, of course, there's... Because here's the, the, what we were kind of saying running up to this game. Like, the first game was an absolute abomination. How did the team aren't up for week one? is beyond me but that seems to be you know the modus operandi sometimes for the Packers is that they don't seem up for games when it 
you know, it seems obvious. And yeah, you can say like, oh, millionaires and they should be up for every game and, you yeah, know, whatever. That's not the way it works. No, it's not right? the way it works yeah. now. Like stuff becomes normalized. And then we saw the Lions performance, which after the game against the Ravens the weekend, Daryl, is pretty alarming. When you see mm. the Ravens only barely yeah. squeaked, it were like, what was that, a 67-yard field goal? 67-yard. <laughs> which is, what, what was, was that more than the Bears got on offense their whole game? was <laughs> in that. Yep. Just by, a, just by a smidge oh, just by a smidge the stats are good I love that there's a meme going around though about like you know Tom and Jerry and where Tom has a knife to Jerry's belly and belly and it, Jerry's just looking at him like with this sort of sad defeatist face and it's kind of like the Packer fan is Tom and the Lions fans are Jerry and it's kind of like it just <laughs> at some point it yeah. just feels bad after a while that's the thing it's just no one's taking any joy out of this you know stop yeah. it's already dead <laughs> yeah um, so yeah look it's um, it was a it was a great game for you know, the comeback, obviously, because the, the other narrative as well, and I don't know where this came from, is that, and I, I saw it on the comment sections of some articles saying that, um, and it was against the Saints, I think was what it was under. Definitely wasn't Lions, obviously. But it's like, you know, when the Packers are getting beaten or they're up against it, then Rodgers just gives up. Which I don't know where that comes from, because at the same time, there is this sort of legend and legacy of, oh, you, you gave him two seconds, that you can't give Aaron Rodgers two seconds, that's too much time. Um, which is nuts but there's a bit of a fallacy to that too because I mean there's plenty of occasions where the Packers can't get out and done in a whole quarter of football so it's incredible yep. that when it comes down to the high pressure situation that the Packers can do but look if we had a quick snaps which you didn't get around to um, last week uh, that was the first thing I was going to say we saw Aaron's stats when he got the ball out quick and that was the key to all of this if you have a bunch of rookies on the O-line you have to get the ball out quick but it's it was weird defensive coverage it's it's completely predictable because that's what they play but it was weird defensive coverage for them to sort of uh, dare the Packers to run the ball I get it because you have a rookie O-line you have Nick Bose who's just an absolute as Aaron Rodgers called him a stud um, but we still mm -hmm. ended up getting it done and Daryl to see Myers get up onto the second level and make yeah. a second block and stuff it's very mature but let me just say this and, and then I'll, you can only Leash the beast. Zip. Hello, Miss Moneypenny. Is that um? Hello, Miss Moneypenny. Like I'm not. I just said at the top of the podcast. I hate when people pick out the the negatives. But there's another discourse that I see again in articles and from somebody expert saying is Devondre Campbell. You know the best that they've seen in Green Bay for you know a decade or this that and the other. I'm like, oh Jesus, great game. Look at that. Twelve tackles, six solo. Um, and then he scoops up the ball and everything else. So yeah, look, absolutely fantastic. Uh, really promising but I'm pretty sure he had a pretty poor game uh, earlier in the season so like there's sort of swings and roundabouts I'm, I've, I'm hopeful for him but all these people would be like oh well and it's the same with the O-line Josh Nyman did a great job um, and he was one of the guys that you remember me question I remember when he was making the roster yep. and I was like he's never started like we've never played him I don't understand uh, what the love is and I'm not going to be like oh well I see now I was wrong I never said I just literally said I've got nothing on him I don't, I don't know what we're I yep. don't know what no one did have. no one did and yeah. I think the point we made at the time was obviously someone does uh, and, yeah exactly and there, yeah. there it is but let's face it I, and I think you're right there's two ways of doing this and I think this is the way the media and the fans go each time they either read too much into it Mm. or they come down on it too hard so in this one you know let's take this game in isolation the Packers needed this kind of performance they had yeah. to produce this type of performance and what was interesting afterwards and I kind of believe it and I know we spoke about motivation and, and that's why game one surprised us so much I think because of how flat they were mm. but they did talk about they talked the talk before all of the game before the season really started but the interesting talk that came out of all the interviews afterwards, and they talked about 37 seconds, and they said, sure, that's loads of time for us to get this done. We didn't feel like we were under pressure. And in a way, you could almost see that in the way the players carried themselves. Uh, you know, when that last, it was Garoppolo, I think, he was jumping around like a lunatic when they got that last touchdown, as if that was it. You know, that was as good as they could do. That was as 
that was in other words they had played to their capacity that was it yeah they didn't they looked a bit crestfallen for that 37 seconds they didn't look as if they were in control of that game it very much looked like it was the Packers that were in control of that game now I get it they were on the offense at the time but it wasn't as if the 49ers had any plan some of those throws are amazing and 37 seconds did in the end end up being a plenty of time and basically not because the Packers used it well but because the 49ers allowed them to have 37 seconds yeah you know and they got their tactics wrong in that sense they gave the Packers too much time in the end yeah and again like 37 seconds it doesn't seem like a whole lot of times for us but you know and when it comes in when you look at the Packers um you know no timeouts and all this kind of stuff it, yeah. it's pretty miraculous but the precision as Wes Hodgkowitz put it in the insider inbox Daryl the precision and just the poise to get it done in that situation I mean we've seen him do it time and time again but Devontae Adams, like, I mean, the guy's worth his weight in gold. He's definitely the number one wide receiver. It took a lot of time for the league to catch up to that kind of thing. Now, of course, look, we had a couple of moments that weren't covered in glory. The special teams play for one. But like I was say, like, it's so annoying to, like, pick out the special teams play. Go, oh, well, there you go. There's one negative. Like, these things also, like, they're allowed make big plays too. It doesn't always come down to air deficiency. Sometimes it comes down to the mm-hmm. fact that the person on the other side of the ball made a dynamite play. Yeah, or just better. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not yeah. talking about the Packers here and going, oh, Devontae Adams, yeah, it's just because the Niners were crap. You know, we're not saying that. We're saying he is superhuman. So if we if this was a Niners podcast, you wouldn't be able to sit there and go, well, our defense trash. You're kind of thinking we came up against an absolute monster. And that's exactly what happened here. And I know Jimmy Garoppolo likes to get a, a lot of stick online and all this kind of stuff, Daryl. But I mean, he's massively serviceable. The ball that he put, he challenged Jair Alexander and they came in with a touchdown. I found that to be particularly brave, particularly where he put the ball, uh, which is he basically aimed it at Jair and your man came up uh, in front of Ja Island and came down with it which is very uncharacteristic for Jair of course but again not to dog on Jair because the guy's an absolute animal as well but there's going to be these isolated cases but can we go any further as well Daryl without discussing some of the ref calls yeah uh, some of it was I mean okay I'm the type of person that is uh, roars at the television no matter what but I will say some of those were even in my trying to stay neutral and look at it again. And even looking at some of the commentary online, a lot of it was saying they had an extra player. They had all these referee decisions, which yeah. some of them were pretty bonkers. Let's face it. There was basically there was people looking for flags to be thrown on the field and there wasn't a sign of one. There was people getting grabbed by the helmet, dumped on the ground. You know, there was this sort of stuff that if if it's plainly obvious to us, how many refs are standing there? Yeah. I mean, the the stuff that doesn't sort of sit well with me was is that it was literally the fourth quarter and every like it was it was consecutive plays that this stuff was coming up on, you know, like uh the tripping I kinda get with Amos because he does stick the leg out. Did he mean to? I don't know. But even the comp said that's not usually called. They hit on Devontae Adams not to draw a penalty. Yeah, um, not to draw a penalty. That was the big one for me. I was yeah. going, that I was literally I had something heavy. I was going to throw it at the telly at the time, but I mean that was one of those things that I was actually going. Are you serious? Are you mm. not looking at the same thing we're looking at here? Yeah, because the back judge was in the wrong place. I mean, it's so bogus. And yeah. why bother having a replay then if you're not going to go back and consult it? But here's a question I was thinking, and I haven't seen this put anywhere. So if it is out there, it's not me uh, pilfering it. I wonder, though, is the lack of call on that a saviour for Devontae? Because if they had a call them for a head hit, they, I don't know. Obviously, the, the doctors do their assessment and they base it off their own decision. But I wonder, was it easier for Devontae to get out onto the field again because his head wasn't called into question, even though we saw it on the screen? But because it wasn't called for, you know, a head hit... Well, then, was he able to get out easier without having to go through all the concussion protocol? Now, he says that the wind got knocked out of him and all that. 
Maybe play to her favour. That's the thing. And maybe, well, maybe somebody, and that's an interesting point, because maybe somebody listening can actually tell us how the protocol is on this, because if you don't, because apparently afterwards he did say that they followed all concussion protocols. But they may, be, they may have followed the protocol, but is the, does the protocol go any further if it's a head hit where they say, well, I'm sorry, mate, you've got to sit down for two or three minutes. We've got to monitor you now. Because that's clearly not what happened. They might have gone through all the checks. Mm. And it's very similar to the concussion protocol in rugby, for anyone who's familiar with that. It's very similar in the amount of tests they do. But I think you're right. If if it looks like he got walloped on the head, which is something that you know initially everyone was screaming for, even Rogers, because I don't think he actually saw the yeah, hit yeah. well, but he thought he got... Because he was so prone on the ground at the time as well, I think a lot of people thought, is he, has he been knocked out? But I think he was able to convince the doctors, whoever he was speaking to, no, no, it's not my head. So I think you're right, because had he not been on the field... Yeah, because I think um, if he, if he would have got yeah if he would have got hit, I think they would have said, "Look, you got hit in the head. I know what you're telling me, but you you have got yeah. hit in the head. You look lucid, but the sheer fact that you know maybe maybe yeah. that kind of played into it. But you know, and then there was the whole like uh, you know the lateral pass or was it a backwards pass and all that. It just it was one thing after another where I don't usually like to moan about ref decisions unless it's like you know that I never forget the Saints Rams one. Um, you know yeah, that sort of knocked the Saints out of that, yeah. the Super Bowl effectively um, because they were they were absolutely dynamite um, you know that one will always stay with me it's decisions like that that are so egregious that you're thinking like that this is actually ruining this whole game but the fact that the Packers could overcome it now I seen on the insider inbox you know one of the people writing in was like oh it's not the bad calls a good team will overcome even bad calls and I'm kind of thinking all oh, right yeah it sounds like something that you see like falsely attributed to Oscar Wilde and some sort of coloured background meme but like I don't know if I agree with that like if you're the officials your job should be to hold it up but Daryl it wasn't interesting though the the referee uh, Macaulay uh, on the comms when he'd come on he would openly go I don't know what that decision is oh no, that's wrong I, I don't know how yeah, that happened yeah. like for instance Stokes uh, when he was called for defensive pass interference when he did, like he barely tapped a guy in the shoulder, and you can't go, yeah, well, that counts technically. It doesn't. Um, and even he held his his helmet for a solid 10, 15 seconds just to say, I, I have no idea what's going on here. Um, and I guess it was a good point people were saying where Stokes came back out and continued to play physical and didn't back off, you know, with the yeah. fact that he wasn't discouraged that they were kind of, you know, getting in on him. And then they were saying, is it because he's a rookie and that's why they could target him? I don't know if it's a bang-bang game like that, that they zero in on players who and they know they're rookies and all this. I think that's all bogus as well. But I, well, I think there's probably a degree to that. But at the end of the day, there's only so much they can actually do yeah. uh, before we'll actually probably hopefully draw the ire of the refs. But on that point you made about a good team will overcome refing decisions, that's all well and good if that team is in front. But we were looking at two teams here that were quite neck and neck the whole way through. It was a very peaks and troughs type game. But let's face it, there was only a couple of points in it at the end. And a bad refing decision can definitely influence the game where it would be completely unfair to one side to lose based on a refing decision at the end of the day they're there to interpret the rules and apply the rules mm. they're not entitled to make make up make them up as they go along no and there's enough checks and balances here that's why they have the ref in the sky the eye in the sky i mean they yeah. can consult new york and go back and he can tell them what's what you know even that catch where he went to ground and then smacked the ball off the ground like again people saying they don't know what a catch is I guess I don't either I can understand look if it was for the Packers you can go well he maintained control just because it hit the ground you can see that he still has control or that he caught it and then he fumbled it and effectively recaught it again is that a thing but you know this whole making a football move thing I still don't know what a catch is because Daryl any other day oh, beating the ball against the ground <laughs> like that would be an incomplete pass so yeah, I, yeah. an incomplete pass so but it's, it's the other way to look at this as well is and I sort of got this and I've rewatched the last five minutes of the game about three or four times now just 
because I really enjoyed uh, almost the relief that I still get every time I look at those last five minutes, right? Yeah. Because I was looking at this and it's, you know, the way you're sitting there and you're going, okay, I'm thinking about the pod this week and going, we can either be sitting there really happy with ourselves mm. or we're going to be talking about these ridiculous decisions that were made yeah. that cost us a game or, you know, because let's face it, the Packers, it wasn't a perfect performance. Neither was it for the 49ers. This was two teams that didn't want to lose a match, mm. but it was on a knife edge. Some of these things could have gone horribly wrong and the, my heart, my mouth, with 16 seconds left and there was an incomplete pass you know and I was going oh have we literally thrown this away and it was one of those things of you know you're sitting there looking at it going this can go either way it's such a tight game and yeah. that's when those type of decisions if they're not right whether they're for the 49ers or for us it, it will turn a game and like look all is fair in love and war when you look at the types of sort of battles of attrition like this where they're just both teams both juggernaut teams going at it you know, skilled players everywhere coming down with like Debo Samuel I think he's absolutely unreal uh, George Kittle you know, a 13.1 yard average, Daryl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nothing, you know, He's just... a joy to watch. He's an absolute nightmare. He's an absolute... And yeah. some of the plays, they actually... And what I liked about the 49ers, they switched it up a bit as well. And to be fair, Packers did this on, on the occasion. But some of those dummies that they were running, mm. uh, where Kittle had disappeared into space, he'd run one way, take take the defense, basically take the defense with him and then run the other way and not get the ball at all and leave yeah. holes all over the place. Some of it, some of the football was very clever and very good to watch. And it's, it's one of those types of games that if you want to introduce someone to a sport and you want to say do you want to do here's a game to show you and that was that was a good example because it had everything yeah it had absolutely everything going for it and as a neutral any neutral would have enjoyed watching that game of football well I mean as you see yeah it's a master class if you look at there was one that stuck out to me it was an AJ Dillon run and it seemed like it's such a nothing play but it just sat there and I just had this big satisfied goofy head in me because I was looking at it going that was just beautiful they had a pre-snap motion coming to the left and it looked like the the receiver was coming out to block uh, the left side of the line but then AJ Dillon cuts up the middle and I just thought that's just so clever to drag that coverage that way and then hit the middle so it's just it's little things like that it's just so deceptive and where you they break it down on the comms where they see like oh they ran this play earlier in the game but they've ran at the opposite side and you know it's just like and Shanahan and stuff like that but we have to talk don't we about the frosty reception there between these two alleged best friends at the end of the game and uh, Mike Silver came out and said that it was all because the Niners went after Rodgers and then apparently Mike LaFleur was on a call uh, with Robert Sala and they were all sort of shooting mm. the breezes kind of mates and they said oh don't pick the quarterback because you know we haven't done our due diligence on him and they said oh why you have your quarterback and he said no Aaron Rodgers and uh, Mike didn't take too kindly to it and that's what sort of peed them all off Um, you know is it a who cares moment or is it one of those juicy gossip column things that you kind of oh you love to see it I, I I personally like to see it I don't like to see two friends fall out over anything mm. like this but the point is it adds to a bit of spice to these occasions doesn't it because it isn't two bosom buddies you know hugging bear hugging each other delighted for each other it adds a bit more edge to this um, and whether that feeds into the players because you know if it's frosty and if that is the whole story uh, would that be enough it'll be enough to annoy, to annoy them I'd say but will it you know Will it cause a rift? I don't know. I, I, I sort of get it right. It's the Padawan. It's the it's the youngin, and he's going trying to make his name in Green Bay, and then you have his mentor basically trying to whip a large reason for his success from underneath him. Now that might be doing Lafleur a bit of a disservice, but look, Aaron Rodgers is a goddamn first time Hall of Famer. Like, there's no point pretending that he isn't. Yep. So I kind of get it. But as you said, like, I'm not really one for the gossip column stuff, but I just, as you said, it adds that spice to it, and it really showed that 
Lafleur really needed and wanted that win. I mean, so he goes to San Fran when they're at full strength twice and gets whipped. I mean, he gets embarrassed. So like Shanahan will embarrass him when he's his mate. So what's he going to do to or try to do to him when they have this sort of spicy sort of rivalry or, or relationship? You know, you saw Shanahan was like, I was misunderstood here. It was only a joke or whatever. Um, even though if you're going after the quarterback, that's a that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty big deal. But the two of them to go after each other, there's something nice about that extra bit of, you know, it's like Sherlock Holmes, you know, like if his arch nemesis was someone who kind of like me, but the fact that they hate each other, I'm not saying that these hate yeah. each other, it just but, adds but an extra other, level. But of, not even that, it, and also, but that sort of thing when they, but they have mutual respect for each other, yeah. and that's always the best thing. I mean, let's face it, who doesn't like to see Mourinho coming back to Old Trafford now for a match because he gets some serious, and it just adds that level of when he's handing over a limp hand hmm. to Oli Gunnar to get shook at the end of a match, and you're just going, go home, you know, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. nice, but it adds to the drama of the game, and I just think the game was just wall to wall fantastic of course there was, yeah, was deficiencies cool. there was, well, unfortunately we heard about Mo Drayden in the presser where apparently he's yeah. had some um, tragedy which is which is horrendous um, but you know just the fact that he brings that level but look Daryl defence is where you know we've sort of talked probably um more about the offense and you know Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones being an absolute monster and MVS finally getting just oh, amazing that, oh, the that catches, pass oh, oh my god God, it was sublime. Mm. And like the, the whole, you remember this whole thing? He's flaky, drops balls. He seems to work on yeah. that. He ain't doing any of that this season. No, and we look. Uh, they were bombs. He was catching. And we were supporting him all along. I have to be said, always. like the videos on the YouTube yeah. going into his plays and Alan Lazard yeah, and all does the job. Bobby Tonyan kill Tonyan, sorry, kills people. The defense of Daryl, you kind of raised it a bit at the start. Um, like seventeen and zip. So we look at the the second half of the Lions game, and we look at the first half of this game, and I don't think the Trey Lance. It annoyed me at the time, I won't lie. I looked at it and said, that was the most obvious thing ever. But then when you look at the intricacies of the play and they yeah. bunch up to the right side and you see Stokes are getting absolutely bulldozed and stuff like that, it's understandable. So I don't mind that all that much. So we've had, you know, two really good halves of football in two games. Um, and you can't blame them for giving up yardage um, at other places. This was one of the... Like, we were supposed to get absolutely embarrassed by these boys. And we came back and we were in control of the game until it started to sort of slip away with you know, unfortunate penalties and stuff like that to penalise us, plus some really good play from them. But, Daryl, you know, do you think that we can still depend on this defence to get the job done? Do you think that, you know, they're not as bad and not as good as they play in each half? You know, like, where's your head at with this defence? Because it- I still think, I, you know what, I had to begin, before this game, I was seriously worried. I was seriously worried. I was going, you know, what's Joe Barry got? Is there any change here? What's happening? Um, and then of course we've got injuries so it's not at its full strength yet so then you're kind of thinking I'm sort of sick of the excuses and I'm going to show to us show us show us what it is and I think we're starting to see glimpses of it in the last two games we've definitely seen what they're trying to do and I'd actually I would be I would depend on them more now than I even did you know two games ago now I mean you look at Barnes Lancaster like the bomber Lancaster or the Lancaster bomber but this guy what a game yeah Jair amazing Burks Devondre Campbell yes everyone's waxing lyrical about Campbell he's the mm. best thing that's ever happened but I think as a unit you're starting to see what Barry's getting at and let's face it if you can hold your own against the 49ers and they played well. Let's face it. Yes, yeah. they had their injuries, but so did we. So they, they weren't playing to full strength, but neither are we. Let's face it. They, you might not be playing to full strength, but you're still playing the same game plan that you had before, minus a few tweaks for certain players that can do certain things, others can't. But I, I kind of liked it. And again, I still don't see we've seen it all. We haven't seen the full article yet, but it's not as leaky as it was. Yes, they're making mistakes. Yes, there's rookies. We know that. But let's face it, who doesn't? It's the old adage, isn't it? I mean, when you, you stack up against the... Uh 
the run or whatever or you get pressure on well then you can give up chunk plays and that seemed to be what this game was about was those chunk plays yeah. but let's remind ourselves here George Kittle Debo Samuel yeah. Kyle Juszczyk the three of those players alone are absolute game wreckers um, you know, and then Jimmy Garoppolo can put the ball on anybody. And yes, they sort of they were deficient when it comes to rushing. They, you know, the the top yardage they had was thirty one yards uh, for Trey Sermon on ten carries at a three point one average. But do you put that down to the players there, or do you put that down to the fact that the Packers just did a good job stuffing the run? You know, so it's probably I think they stuffed them. I think mm. I can actually say it's probably half one, half two. Yeah. It was times in the game, and maybe I was. I mean, I'm not the body language expert in this podcast. Nope. I believe that's you, but there <laughs> were times that Garoppolo looked a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Almost as if he was unsure of himself, um, because let's face it, if you look at what the defense was, they were able to get in their face very quickly. So we talked about how quickly Rogers was able to get rid of the ball. The defense was up very sharp as well. They were making double tackles the way they, you know, the way they haven't really done in in a long time. Mm. They were they had. It's almost as if our defense had more time than their offense did, which. It, you know, at its very basic level, it didn't give Garoppolo enough time, I think. Or when he was thinking about going one way, he realized that was covered off in ways that I don't think... To be honest, let's face it, the 49ers have done their work. Shanahan does his work. Yeah. He's known for it. But I actually think they didn't count on the defense fronting up as much as they did. They thought, there's a load of rookies there. We'll we'll just we'll just pass rush everything. We'll just get the ball out quick and just swamp them. Didn't happen. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the questions we raised before this game. You know, will our defense yeah. show up? Um, because you know we'd have a game out of them uh, before and we got absolutely annihilated by the Saints and also will a rookie O-line uh, do the job yeah. um, now I'm so encouraged but I've, I've said this on the podcast before and I've said it uh, unabashedly with zero uh, backup in the sense that whatever Green Bay do whatever they put in the O-lineman's water up there uh, you know with James Campbell and now Steno Adam Stenovich is that they seem to have these guys ready to play um, now it helps when you have an MVP quarterback who will you know work and operate in a way whether it's getting the ball out quickly or whatever um, you know to help those guys out but you can't take away the fact that they handle Bosa for the majority of the night apart from like a couple of plays but it's it's Bosa let's remind ourselves again um, so yeah just a really fierce defensive unit uh, with the Niners and we did a fantastic job there so it's just it's encouraging all over the ball but again I think we're at such a small sample size but I guess what it does there let, let's just breathe a sigh of relief right so we had the Saints an abomination the Lions a fantastic game when you measure that up against the Ravens game you're kind of thinking well maybe the Lions do have a bit of yeah, fight actually them. maybe yeah but that's the thing yeah. is maybe we are maybe we're maybe we played better than that it's not just the Lions are crap yeah. um, because they didn't look like that way now and as you say we do have a very small sample size but let's face it we're, we're turning in the right direction here yeah this this game didn't seem like game three to me. This looked like you were going towards the playoffs here. This was a team that was leaving nothing on the field. This is a complete up. This is a different Packers than we saw in week one. But this is the Packers I thought we were going to get. This was the Packers they were talking about, surely. Yeah. This was the team that they, they said they were going to play like. So I'm hoping for more of this. But I'm quite happy to, again, sit on this game for another week and really enjoy it and go back and look at the read all about it, go back and look at some of the key plays because some of them, as you say, are just delicious. And most of them aren't even things um, that, that they're showing you. Again, it's all this off-the-ball movement. It's yeah, the yeah. stuff in the background that you, you have to look at the game again to see how well-drilled this side are. And, and, and I think that's what you say about there's something in the water up there. There may very well be, but these guys are so drilled. This is not a just run into it and hope for the best sort of stuff. These boys are all running their own individual plays, and it's all part of this playbook. And when he gets it right, Lafleur, he gets it very right. Yeah, because I just think like, and I know people are talking about it a lot, 
um, you know, experts and fans, but I don't think it can be spoken enough about the O-line because when you think of the complexity of that yeah. position, the fact that they were not in any way expecting to be in this position in the sense that Elton Jenkins, you know, was an Iron Man. He was playing all the positions on the O-line when he was asked to. And can you imagine being the coaching staff, being told he's got an ankle injury and he's out and you're coming up against the Niners yeah. and you have all of this drama that happened before between the two personally? Um, you know, you have the fact that Shanahan is one of the best uh, play callers. And in fact, they'll look back in many years' time and they will trace an awful lot of people back to Shanahan. That's how good this guy is. Um, so it's just, I just think it's mind-blowing that they could go yeah. away from home um, and get this win on the road and do it with so many rookies on the O-line. And it's it's just an absolute masterpiece of a game for me. I, I think why it's, why it's significant for me, Daryl, is, is the fact that it's like when you when you have these expectations for something and you say, oh, this you know this thing, this meal is going to be great, this restaurant, it's, it's fantastic. Then you get the starter and it's rubbish, you know, and you're kind of thinking like, oh, damn, I, I don't think this is actually going how I thought it would. And everything else is fantastic. It, it's kind of like, you know, the more good you get, the more it reinforces that, okay, bringing back the same players will work. Uh, we, when you see performances from MVS stepping up, when you see Rashan Gary getting pressure, when you see Kenny Clark absolutely balling out, and you see the yep. usual Aaron Jones, uh, Tunyon, you know, when you see the usual suspects stepping up again, you're thinking, oh, so all of that pre-season faff actually does mean something because so much of this sport and so much of sport in general is an awful lot of media faff, whereas this now yeah. looks like this is a story that you can make a movie from and get behind. It's only week three. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's oh yeah, no, exactly. It's pointing it in is, the right direction, it, as you say. It's exactly what we wanted to see. And again, what I loved is when we had that thirty-seven seconds on the clock. It was the body language of the Packers. Their heads were up, their mm. chests were out. They were, they knew that what they had to do. Now, I wasn't as confident as they were, and some of their confidence could be misplaced in the sense anything can happen. Yeah, but they didn't look like a team that were down and out. They looked like a team that had basically, they could have had five minutes left to do what they needed to do. They had mm. 37 seconds. And as they said themselves, that play that they actually used, they only came up with that three days before. So it's one of those things. This wasn't even a tried and tested, you know, this isn't route six, away you go. This is, what we've, this is what we've been working on all season, guys. This was a, three days ago, let's give it a go. This was a team that was willing to just back themselves and get it done. And I just, I really enjoyed watching it. Now, I enjoyed watching it after the fact. Because I still look at it, you know, it's one of those things, it's like a film you've watched eight times, you know what happens in the end, but you're still a bit nervous during it, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, I think it might end different. Now, this is this is a different season. I look at, you know, the first season under the floor was very experimental. There's not a lot of questions over um, personnel, would they get along, all that sort of like babyish stuff, which was valid. Um, and then the second season was more so people said they felt comfortable, but then it was more like, all right, I feel comfortable and it does it still work though. And it did, whereas this season is we're on a mission. Now, last year, we'd go up against a team and we'd squeak a win and we'd be like, oh, jeez, oh, we got out of that one. And then they'd go on the next week and get absolutely trounced and we'd go, God, maybe we're not as good as we thought we were. It's on, almost in the reverse this time around. We get trounced week one and people go, oh, well, are they as good as they think they are? And then we go and absolutely double score the Lions. Then they go out and play a good game. Now, they could falter the rest of the season, so it doesn't matter. Um, but it's it's kind of like it's recency bias. And then we come up against a really fantastic Niners team. And I know they've got their injuries, but as you say, we do too. We go up against a Niners team. We go up, um, you know, heavy at the start. And then we go behind with 37 seconds left and we rally back. Now, I'm not a massive believer, Daryl, in morale because I see someone asked a question to say like, oh, when you're coming up against a sore Steelers side, blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of thinking that doesn't really matter. It's not as if the whole team work as one entity, you know, as such. 
Um, so I don't really believe in that kind of like, oh, team sort of how they feel about something is. So like, it's like saying, oh, well, he really wants it, so he's going to get it. And you're like, oh, that's not how life works. We all know this. Um, but yeah, just looking at this team, the fact that they faced such a rough time in week one, such a, you know, massive win in week two, such a contentious um, sort of battle uh, against all odds yeah, niggly, in week three. Niggly win. It's character yeah. building for this team and they already have the belief, as we've said. So this is only going to do wonders for the whole squad. It's just... It's it's all seemingly falling into place. It can derail, of course, at any moment. But yeah, for now, let's write that down. Uh, so here we here we sit. Here we sit at week three. We said at the end of week one, the only sort of silver lining we could see was at least it was week one, and mm. this has been a wake up call for them. And and we we sort of did say maybe looking back, this will have been the best thing to happen to this team at this point in a season. And sitting here in week three, I can still say that that's probably true. But I still think they need to keep their axe. They've, they've got more axes to grind this season, so they need to keep going. Yeah, and a tough schedule. But you can't ask for more than your dependables to be dependable, which is Aaron Rodgers coming up with the nope. goods, Devontae Adams coming up with the goods, MVS being dependable, Aaron Jones getting back to what he was doing, Mason Crosby being clutch when we need him. And the nice addition is Corey Borges uh, coming in there yeah, with amazing. some fantastic uh, positional punting yeah, yeah. and a long of 63. Um, well, but yeah, we found our punter. Well, like we weapon. have him now. He's he's locked on. Yeah, he's locked on. It's a weapon. I mean, it's nice not to have question marks over that. You know, you look at Jair Alexander. Yep. You look at Kenny Clark. There's so much talent all over this squad. Um, is that it would make a sort of a faltering? Um, you know, to get into the playoffs obviously would be devastating. But even in the playoffs. It, when so much things are pointing towards that this should be it this is you know we've all talked about how we've you know we don't really say it but you know they've wasted Aaron Rodgers window and all this lark and it's sort of you could sort of say oh yeah or no or look blah 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 but this season Daryl and the last couple of seasons it really has geared itself towards this This team really does have despite the, the armchair yeah. experts this team really does have what it takes or literally almost have what it takes to get to the dance and, and win it all but um yeah, which would make that's it. That's why it's dangerous because yeah. that's what dangerous because Packers Nation expects. Yeah, always though. Oh, entitled town, don't they call us? And why not? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anything else <laughs> or forever hold your peace? No, I'm just gonna keep. I'm gonna bask in this one for another few days before we turn our attention to the Steelers, which um, we might have to do a little bit of a quick snaps. Would we? Oh, oh, bit, oh just, just a little bit. Are you doing it? I'm doing it. I can't hear you doing it. Um, I, have an, I'm doing it. I have an interesting YouTube video coming so if you like uh, Irish accents if you like uh, small well I love them bit of, I love them the, I'm uh, a massive fan quite nice. huge fan of the Irish accents and uh, motorcycles and talking to animals all of those things feature in this video it's kind of sort of a motovlog thing about being a Packers fan in Ireland I want to give the game away um, so yeah do uh, jump on the YouTube that's going to be coming out soon and as Daryl said we will be back with Quick snap! Oh! There we go. Doing it again. It's like some. I think we've spent about 37 seconds doing that. Probably, yeah. Do you know what Aaron Rodgers is doing that time? Uh, lots your ma so Daryl uh, from yeah. at Daryl J O'Brien from me at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter and the Paddy Packer on Instagram which I haven't said this before I don't think a whole lot Daryl but I mean that's just I mean, no the it's, it's horrendously racist. Um, do you know what? That's a that's a nice inside joke that we have on the podcast now. But it's went so. Oh, by the way, do you know what? Oh, do you know what? what? Do you know what though? The Bears. Oh my dear Christ! They suck. Do we need to say it anymore though? One yard. One yard mm. though. I can't even take them. I can't even. I mean, they're not even giving me anything to work with here. Mm. Yeah, it's it's like it's almost like when. It, Oh, I can't even slag him anymore. Yeah, like, like you're doing it to yourselves. Well, Aaron Rodgers had a reception for minus four yards, which is only minus five yards less. <laughs> than what yeah, the, uh, like, come on, mm, it's bad. Jesus. 
so there it is uh, yeah but anyway we say that oh sorry and then when we go and put up something and then someone comments underneath it with someone else tagged who obviously doesn't listen to the podcast that's so racist you're kind of thinking Ooh, <laughs> what did these people think of the group yeah. now uh, yeah scenes Uh-oh. shenanigans shenanigans anyway we'll be back in a couple of days um, enjoy the win because I am I, I'm not, do what you want moan if you want but I'm going to enjoy I'm this win Daryl and I'm basking in it and I like the positivity and I like the challenge and I don't care that we gave up a bunch of yards for this that and the other we got the win Mason's clutch his balls are massive and on to the next one one yard though, bears <laughs> one yard